Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, and welcome to the final episode of the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am your now somewhat wiser host, Prue Warren, always following along behind the wisest of us all. (laughs) Certainly not, but (laughs) I am Meredith Bond, and uh, I think, Prue, you have grown in leaps and bounds. I have grown in leaps and bounds. You and I both went back to listen to some early episodes of the podcast, and I am, I feel very tenderly towards that young author. (laughs) I'm 62. I'm not that young. That novice author who you so carefully took by the hand 100 episodes ago. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. That is the biggest takeaway is thank you. And we should mention, just for our listeners, that this is episode 100. This is episode 100. You know, I think most podcasts on an average are like seven episodes long. Most people don't keep it up. God, we're awesome, aren't we? We are indeed. We are. It's true. I went back and looked and we have, it's so nice that it's 100 episodes because my math abilities are so limited. I can tell you that 28% of our episodes featured a speaker guest. Huh. And that's kind of cool. And that was 23 people. We had several returning champions who came on more than once. But we had 23 different experts. Truly, what they came to talk to us about were expert things. So we've really had a pretty glorious wealth of resources to, to draw from. And it's that's been really fun, this meeting new people and hearing what they have to say. Yep. Uh, what I What I have discovered is that I, by listening to the earlier episodes, what I've discovered is that I am still a bull in a china shop. I am still running around, bumping into things in my exuberance and my joy. I really have picked up a lot in basic confidence, in basic uh, belief that I can muggle my way through this, or at least know when to reach out to you or someone else and say, help me. So I, I would say that my first real big self-realization is that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Ah, that's interesting. In what way? Well, I I was just thinking, you know, what we talked about last week about uh, the fact that I'm going to try a Kickstarter as a pre-launch technique. Mm -hmm. And I am rushing toward that great unknown, you know, both arms wide to embrace the crazy. There are papers all over my desk of the artists that I'm working with for the folio I'm going to include and uh, writing up the levels for Kickstarter and how am I going to find a printer and how am I going to fulfill it? Am I going to get a PO box? There's just 15,000 little bits and pieces that I don't know, but I am, uh, I'm not scared of it. The fact that I don't know it does not make me scared because things are beginning to work out. That's really interesting because I don't know that you were actually scared, but more eager when we first started out. 
Well, I am still eager. <laughs> yeah, I think so because you embrace learning and you embrace the unknown, recognizing that you don't have the knowledge and you just, you rush out and get it, which is the beautiful thing about you and, and something that I really admire. <laughs> Flatter me too, please. Um, <laughs> I would like to point out, I would like to point out on our 100th episode that I have still not turned a profit. <laughs> I think that if I had not done any advertising at all, and I have thrown some money into wind tunnels in that respect, some of the, some of the ads that I've run have had absolutely zero effect. If I had not spent a penny, then I probably would be lurking around profit at this point. But of course, if I hadn't spent the pennies on advertising, I wouldn't have sold enough books to have gotten to this point. So right. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a conundrum, but I have not yet gotten to the point where ads are sustaining themselves. However, I am told that the best way to sell more books is to write more books under the theory that someone finds a book that they love, they read the entire back catalog. And my yeah. entire back catalog is quite is is modest. Right. But, but it's not, it's not, it's not none, right? I, I managed during the time of this podcast to produce three books in a series, one you decide story. I've got three more coming. And then by the end of the year, there'll be a second you decide story. So I will be at eight, wait a minute, three, four. Yes, eight. Yeah. I will be at eight stories plus the eight novels plus the short story from the You Decide series. So my author shelf is beginning to fill up a little bit. Isn't that nice? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When we talked early on about what is your definition of success, one of the things we, we came up with was uh, very hard to measure. How proud are you? What happiness does it inspire? Um, how many books are on your shelf? It's very hard to measure that sort of thing, but I got, I have that. I look with great pride and, and um, sort of smog like lust for more, right? I, I just want to put more books on my author's shelf. I, I lust for it. So the <laughs> fact that I just haven't sold that many, eh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a coaching client who is who frequently reminds me that he he's recently published his first major trilogy and he's reworking the first book that he wrote that he ever wrote which was a mess and and he really should have had it professionally edited and he didn't oh. um and so he's he's rewriting that but he reminds me that even though he probably won't earn back the amount of money that he spent on producing his first trilogy, he's doing this for the fun of it. Ah, there you go. It's entirely 100%. This is his hobby. He, you know, has a full-time job doing something else entirely. And this is his joy. This is his passion. And he doesn't care how much it costs or how much he earns, this is what he wants to do. 
and he gets yeah. a great amount of joy doing yeah. it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think that I think that is, I think that is really really important. Exactly. We have talked before about the fact that if you want to quit your just suffer, that is a really really long road. That's yeah, not. That's not easy to do. But no, it, I think you just want someone to hear your story. Yeah, I think if you really want to be able to quit your day job and become a full-time author, you need to be an excellent marketer. You need to be really good at statistics. You need to be really good at math and figuring out what works and where to put your marketing dollars and become an influencer on social media and follow these the latest social media trends and all of this. It's, it's that part of it, that part of the author business, which is what makes an author really sell well, is it's a whole job in and of, of, of itself. I think that's right. I also think there's a certain amount of selling of your soul. The people who I've, I've heard talk about how to be a bestseller are always saying things like, go and find out what's selling on Amazon and write a book exactly like that really quickly. So you're not telling your story. You're not telling a story because it's burning in you. You're telling a story because there's a hot trope at the moment and you want to cash in on that. And that's kind of mercenary. And for the people who do that, you know, Godspeed, that's great. I don't have that mercenary urge in me. I don't really want to I don't really want to do that. No, me neither. And I I don't put a lot of time and energy and, and analytics into my marketing. And it shows my books don't sell all that well. <laughs> but I get I was a great just looking- deal of joy out of writing my books. And those people who do find them and read them get a lot of joy out of reading them. Right. That's satisfying. You remember we talked with um, Meg Napier, who is an author who just doesn't like marketing at all. She just doesn't care about marketing. She just wants, you know, five people who love her book to get it and read it. And that is all she wants. That makes her happy. Right. That's, it's a very, it's a very broad scale of the way people respond to why are you writing a novel? Yeah. I was looking at my Amazon, the Kindle direct publisher information. I have sold 2,500 books. That's great. That's all in. That's all of them <laughs> over the course of, uh, yeah, two years. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. That's good. That is but good. I've, I've spent more than that. But that's right. okay. Uh, I'm not in it for the cash. Here's another observation I have for you that I did not have two years ago. And it is that I am emphatically opposed to traditional publishing. And oh, really? Fabulously supportive of indie publishing. That's I am enraged by what traditional publishers think writers need to go through and uh, how little they will be compensated. So I no longer secretly hope that Random House is going to pick up my books. I just don't want that. It is, that's a, that's a bust. And authors who believe, oh, I'm going to get an agent and sell my book and there's going to be a bidding war and I'm going to make so much money. That is 
that is a great pipe dream to have. It's like my son saying, I'm going to be a rock drummer. I'm like, okay, go for it, man. <laughs> Next. Right. That there's, I am so pro indie publishing. I'm becoming a little bit of a subject. That is very interesting. I was traditionally published and I. And you will be. We'll doing It's in a, in a, small way. The publisher that my next trilogy is coming out with is a very, very small publisher. And it's it's almost like self-publishing, but somebody else is doing a lot of the work for me. But that's kind of my dream is to just be an indie publisher and have somebody else do all of the marketing and analytics and so on. And so I'm kind of hoping that this publisher does a lot of that. And I'm certainly going to be paying them a fair share to do that. To do the marketing. To do the marketing. They're also, of course, doing the editing and and producing the cover. But that's, and the formatting. But, you know, those are things that I don't mind doing and don't mind paying I know you're a very professional good. You're to very, do. You're very good at those things. So you've allowed them to take part of your joy away. I'm so, you know, I was thinking, we should probably not close out the podcast entirely because I want to hear what happens to the in the to the books, the trilogy you're doing with Wolf Hall. And I thought I would like to come back and talk about what happened with the Kickstarter. Absolutely. So maybe we could we could just keep the Writer's Block Party podcast on sort of permanent hold and never felt the need to share. We could come back on. I think that's a great idea. Maybe we can do it like once a month and just catch each other up and our listeners up on what we're up to, what we're doing. Let's hold that opportunity open. Yeah. I like. I love the idea of saying, now I'm full of something that I need to share. Right. Right. And that doesn't always come on a schedule. Right. So, that's true. That's true. Yeah. The other thing, I was also listening back to our first episode. Right. The other right. thing that we never actually got going were listener questions. Now, I know that we have plenty of listeners out there, and I love every single one of them, but no one except one or two people have ever actually written to us and sent in a question. But that seems to be a very, this is a theme. We're looking at a theme here. It's very challenging. And I don't know if it's because of just a trend. Engagement seems to be very challenging. You know, we're with the Washington Romance Writers mm -hmm. and for another five weeks. And the, 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 the most I could get in an attempt to engage members in conversation where there were three or four people who would answer if a question was asked. But for the most part, absolutely thoughtful, reasonable, rational people who have questions or thoughts, they just chose not to engage. And I think that's probably true with our our listeners is that there is the impetus to actually engage. There seems to be some obstacle to it. And I think it's timing. I think it's social media. I think it's the rush of, of information that's constantly being thrown at us. 
Mm. I don't think people engage the way they have in the past. And the, the trend may change, but I'm not surprised that people don't ask questions. I think they have questions. I think they enjoy the podcast. I think they probably talk to the podcast while we're talking. Hi. <laughs> Your diction is magnificent, listener. Magnificent. But I just think I just think there's a trend. People don't engage. I'm sorry because I am, as you can tell, yappy. I always want to talk. So I'm sorry people don't engage, but I'm not surprised. I've gotten a little jaded on that subject. Yeah, I I am a hundred percent with you. I've been writing my blog for like 10 years now, and I've had a, a total of, you know, like 10 responses right. over 10 years. Right. And I'm always saying, what do you think about this? Have you ever done this? Have you done that? Have right. you, you know, what do you think? Nobody ever comments on yeah. my blog. Well, I, I think we're probably, you know, I'm an old lady, so I use Facebook as my social media of choice. There are many, many others, but Facebook uh, has trained everybody to hit the like button. Right. You don't have to. Oh, yeah, have to I comment. always get lots of likes on my blog, but very few comments. Right, 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 right. And I do think that's sort of surprising. When I first joined the Washington Romance Writers, one of the things they said was, we need people to volunteer. Who wants to write the newsletter? And I thought, my God, it's an organization of writers. I'm not going to even raise my hand as a newbie member because surely all these writers would want to write a great newsletter. And a year later, they were still looking for someone. And when I became the communications director, I took on the newsletter because who wouldn't want to? Even writers don't write questions. Even writers don't want to get involved. And you'd think we would be the ones who are most prone to here's my comment. Here's what I have to say. Wait, listen to me. But they're not. Apparently it's you and me. We're the only ones. Isn't that funny? Isn't that Gives us funny? a bigger platform. Gives us a bigger platform. <laughs> As I'm looking back over the last 100 episodes, I realized that I was thinking about competency and, and what we're capable of. And I do not feel like I, I don't think I ever will know everything and I put everything in air quotes because of course there are so many different branches of being an indie author there's the craft of writing there's putting the book up publishing it and then there's marketing it there's so many areas that no one is really ever going to be good at all of them but I think I have begun to plumb the depths of what I don't know <laughs> which is you know it's it's pretty good I've taken some soundings I figured out how far down true knowledge is and that makes me proud that I can say, all right, I've discovered what happens when you throw money at Facebook ads. I've discovered what happens when you throw money at Amazon ads. I've tried a couple things. I've looked in a couple places. One of the things our guest, Jenny Kate, spoke to us about, she's a marketing guru, was if you don't know who your audience is, which most authors cannot do a demographic study, then who's responding to ads because that will help. So target your ads in different places to see who responds. I have not yet been successful at that. I know how to spend a great deal of money looking into that information. <laughs> but what I found, what I found, first of all, was that Facebook ads get a faster response, but a lower level of sales. Amazon ads do not 
get a very good response. And what's more, Amazon won't spend all your money that you want them to spend. But the the results are immediate because it ends in a book sale. And you can see that on the chart. Yes, two books sold today. So I was messing around with Amazon and I did a test. I did one identical ad in which Amazon targeted the recipient of that ad and an identical test in which Dave Kesson Rocket identified them. I simply put in rom-com into a search feature and then selected everything publisher Rocket suggested I should be marketing to and use that as my search terms. And Dave won. Amazon did not beat Dave. And, you know, I have a crush on Dave since he was on our podcast. I think he's darling. I want either, I want to be my father, my husband, or my son. I would take any of those. Um, But he won. He won. So I can trust Dave more than Amazon's almighty algorithm. And that's very satisfying. I'm still losing money on the ads, but I'm having a very good time learning that. So I have begun to refine my marketing ignorance. And, and the Kickstarter is a marketing ploy. And that's, that's a whole new room in my mansion here. What happens over here? So I think there's this perpetual quest for knowledge, perpetual quest for knowledge. And I do love marketing. And well, that's something that's very interesting, that you do love marketing. And I I find it fascinating, because I despise it. And I have tried to avoid it my entire career, but only out of absolute necessity have I engaged in it. I'm much happier than that with marketing. (laughs) But you know what? But Mary, I will tell you, I think a lust for marketing is combined with a certain spendthrift nature, right? Mm. I I spend money pretty, let's just throw you know, $10 a day for two weeks into this ad and see what happens, right? I'm like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, so I, 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 my lust for marketing is also impractical. It cannot be scaled over other, other listeners. But the other thing that you said that I think is important is that you are always learning, but because you are, will always continue to learn. You will, throughout your entire career, I mean, I've been in this, doing this for, what, 20 years, and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still figuring out new things. I'm still trying new things. And that doesn't stop. As I've always said, writing is a practice. It's not something you learn how to do, and then you do it. You are always practicing. You are always learning. You are always trying new things. And if you ever stop that, I think you will stagnate and and just drop away and fall off a cliff with your writing. Right. And your writing will become lifeless. It won't be no joy in it. I have a a fridge magnet. I don't remember where I got it. Some museum. Uh, And it's a quote from Michelangelo. Don't know where it came from. Cannot cite the source. But I loved it. It said, I am still learning, Michelangelo. And right now, you take someone, an artist at the profound peak of skill and experience and ability, and to have them recognize and acknowledge that they do not know everything, they are still learning. 
I find that very inspirational because, oh boy, I am still learning and I'm learning a lot. And the best thing you can learn is how much you don't know. (laughs) Well, that's, that's plumbing the depths, man. There's a whole ocean out there. Exactly. Because once you know what you don't know, then you can go out and know and learn it. But if you don't know what you don't know, then you're stuck. Right. Right. Or trust to an expert. When you find someone who knows one aspect, that's very glorious. That's a very Mm -hmm. useful thing. Yeah. Um, Let's talk a little bit about reaching back to other authors. Reaching back to people behind us on the journey. I have been very pleased when I have heard from friends who have listened to the podcast. They may not be writing in with comments, but I do hear from people who say, Hey, that was a good podcast you did. And I'm always like, Oh my God, you listened to the podcast. That's that's very exciting. (laughs) Um, I think it's very motivating for me to see that the help that I've received in my journey is of value to others who are just maybe a few minutes behind me on the journey and how it is to be in a position to say, oh, I know the answer to that question. I can help you with that. So, so I think that, I think that in that respect, that you have a very golden glow around you right now, Meredith, (laughs) a little halo. (laughs) Well, but I think that's the conceit of this entire podcast is that what we are here for is to share our knowledge and to share the journey that you have been making these past this past 100 episodes in learning everything that that you needed to know and therefore really that any author needs to know yeah. to become yeah. to write a good book and market it and produce it and everything, you know, to be a, an indie author. And so I'm impressed with the community. I'm thinking of the 23 guests we've had on. Oh, we've had such and, great guests. And not, not, I know we had such guests and not a one of them needed their arm twisted to come on. Every oh, single person oh. who we've come across has been more than willing to pass on that helping hand, to share knowledge, to make sure people felt supported. I think this is a tremendously supportive, a small community of writers and would-be authors. It's a small community, but it's really impressive how willing people are to help. So here's a lesson learned for you, listener. It is very hard. You have to be quite brave to reach out to a stranger and say, will you help me? But and, and there's no promise that that will be well-received. But in the, in the writing community, I have found tremendous willingness to help. So if you have a question that you don't want to ask Meredith, if you have a favorite author that you wish you could ask a question of, be brave. Write an email. Send a message. These women, mostly in the romance world, these writers are willing to help, are willing to share. And that's that's not only a tradition that you can benefit from, but it's also a tradition that you have to uphold. You have to reach back to other authors in your turn and make sure that they know that they're supported. What we do is, it's not ditch digging. It will not wear you out physically, 
But emotionally, it's quite taxing and support is critical. And if you get a chance to reach back to somebody else, you have to do it as others will reach back to help you. Yeah, they. I think it's a lot of it is the fact that this is not a competition. Um, yes, there may be a overall limited number of dollars going towards books, but that well is refilled so that, you know, if somebody has a monthly budget of spending, I don't know, $15 on books every month, next month, they're going to have that $15 again. So right. if so, it's not a competition because they buy my book doesn't mean they're not going to buy your book right. or vice versa. It's and that makes it easier for some people to to be generous to other authors because we're not in competition with each other. We are a community. We are supporting each other and helping each other and lifting each other up and sharing information. And that's how the overall industry grows and gets better. And so it's only to everyone's benefit to help others. To And not to beat a dead horse, but the indie world is better at that. The traditional world only has slots for X number of authors to get their book published. That's true. If you don't fit in with what Penguin Books wants to do, with what Shadows wants to do, too bad, try again next year. That's not the way in the indie world. You won't take my agent from me. You won't take my book contract from me. I will be delighted to help you. So mm -hmm. once again, very pro indie. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That horse is well and truly beaten. <laughs> so wrapping up. Yep. Where do you see yourself next year? Where do you want to be? Yep. Yep. A fine question. Well, uh, I'm pretty happy with the pace of books. I'm enjoying that a lot. I would like to continue to produce. And I've got my idea for the next trilogy. I'm, I'm playing with it now. So very excited. Good. Um, I think I want to continue exploring. I would like to get better. I would like to get better at ads. I would like to get better at ads. Mm -hmm. So I would like to be much more competent in ads and in the statistics that, that you have to understand once you've, once you've run your ads. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll certainly still be writing uh, and still attempting to <laughs> plumb the depths and engaging with readers. I've been very happy with the newsletter and with these You Decide stories. It's been really fun to sort of get to know people, to build an ARC team, to have a uh, to have beta readers. I'm just going to keep going. Mm, what about you? What do you got? Um, I am hoping to continue on my journey to uh, try and produce more books. And I would love to have more engagement, more, um, I don't know, my newsletter, I feel, could use a boost. Yeah. I could use more. I, I'm thinking of stealing some of your ideas. Take them, girl. That's not a steal. Do it. Yeah, because I think every month I publish a short story or half a short story in my newsletter, but I love your idea of a choose your own. 
It's been really fun. And I think that would really engage my newsletter readers. And the more they become engaged, the more they become invested, the more likely they are to talk about my books and to read them and to buy them and to suggest to other people to buy them and, you know, all that good stuff. I'm nodding. I would encourage you and everyone to do it. Yeah. It's it's been, it's been really glorious. And at the end of the You Decide experience, then you publish the book in full and there's another book on your author shelf. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, up until this point, I have simply been writing what I feel like writing. Mm -hmm. And it's all been what I want to read and what I want to do and what I want to play with and what I want to learn and, and fool around with and like that. But maybe I should turn it outward and let my readers tell me what they want to read and what they want me to write and and go from there. It's been, I, I'm right this week, my readers of the second You Decide story have voted to eliminate my bad guy. Yeah. They, uh, I've made him such a bad guy. They hate him oh. and they want him kicked out long before his usefulness is over. And I'm having to work around that. I'm going to have to figure, I am, I am figuring out a way that I can do what they want and still satisfy my urge to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. And it's taking my book in a totally different direction. It happened with the first You Decide story too, where things just totally got out of my control and there was a certain wildness to it. It was very exciting. And we ended up in a place I never would have gotten to ever on my own. So mm-hmm. as, as, a, as, a, as a writing exercise, it's great for reader engagement and for making friends of your readers. It's brilliant. Do it. Try it. See what happens. So tell me a little bit, just for a moment, help me with it. And do you give three options and then- uh, fill in your own. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I would caution you. I think if you tried to do a you decide mailing it once a month, you would lose the enthusiasm. Oh. I do it. I do a chapter a week. My chapters are shorter than yours, mm-hmm. but I do one once a week. Mm. So I wrote a base story and then said, what happens next? And gave them three options. And at the end, it always says, or suggest something else. Right. And a couple of times, the suggestions have been so good that I've overridden the common vote. And I always admit it. I always say the vote would have been this, but too bad. This is a great idea. We're going this way. And one of the best characters I have ever written is an 80 year old octogenarian spy named Bernadette, (laughs) who was one of the funniest characters I have ever written. Um, She was a reader suggestion. So I always offer three options and then say, or suggest something else. And then I do my best to go with what the vote, with what the vote says, which has been, sometimes I can steer them where I want them to go. (laughs) Sometimes I can't, but try, I I would say do it once a week because there is Uh frustration. A lot of people don't want to delay people binge. So asking people to wait a week before they get the next episode is kind of long. If you don't want to story a week, my suggestion is, maybe alter the you decide premise to something that would be more sustainable for once a month. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like it. Um, or I, I can just have a special newsletter for people who want to 
join into a You Decide story oh, and make I, that a once a week. I invited, I invited everyone on my newsletter. I've now 608 people. Woo-hoo. Um, I invited them all to sign up for the newsletter and I ran some Facebook ads that said, would you like a story a week? Don't cost nothing. Right. Um, I got 108 people who wanted into this episode. And so far, 50 people have voted at least once. So I'm getting roughly a 50% response rate from my little which is great. And I never, ever let someone vote that I don't respond to them personally. Hmm. So I am beginning, I mean, it's small enough that I can do that. And I am beginning to have actual relationships with these people. They don't just, I'm not just pretending to be friends with them. I actually begin to know who they are. Mm-hmm. I begin to chat with them and say, oh, you always vote for, mm-hmm, or, right, there's always some way that I can create some form of, I know who you are. I see you. you're not just a name to me. And I think that's been very been very beneficial. And as I look forward to this Kickstarter, if I can get 25 people to respond to it, I think I can generate some momentum. I think those 25 people are going to come from the You Decide story. I think those people feel uh, uh, possessive about my stories and about the work that we create together. So Mm -hmm. there's there's a long, long echo effect of why it's a good idea. I really hope you do it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to look into this and and play with it and see if I can copy your idea and and get something going. I hope you will. Um, on my website, prewarren.com, you can read the first eleven installments of this week's of this ah, this one's great. you decide story, and it'll show you what the options are, and then you'll see as you scroll down the page what actually happened. Okay, um, great. Thank you. By the time this podcast airs, I will have updated it because I think I'm several episodes behind. But I am putting it on the website so you can you can see. And I'm happy to answer any questions to you or to any listener who wants to write to me at prue at prewarren.com or the writer's party the writer's block party podcast.com. I can't believe on our last episode I flubbed the name again. <laughs> 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 Meredith, how fun is it? Well, for me. That we began with me in a position of total ignorance, and here we are on the left on the hundredth episode, and now I can turn to you and offer you at least a portion of the same support that you've shown me. I'm very proud. Yes, you should be. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> and as I said at the very beginning, you have just grown in leaps and bounds in in this fun industry that we are in. I really have. I really have. And it's true. There's no reason why I shouldn't be learning from you. I feel as if I really have our positions have equalized. And now you are stepping ahead of me in so many different ways with all of this marketing and the Kickstarter and the you decide. That's true. That's true. I am. I am. That's true. Okay, good. I will own my I will own my achievements. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's plan on coming back eventually, not yes. next week, but uh, the day will come. So listener, keep your keep your eyeballs open. We'll be back. We will be back. And also follow us on Facebook because that is where we will let people know that a new episode will be coming. Good idea. 
Excellent plan. All right, Meredith, then I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Prue. Thank you. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank you.